you're about to get lucky. With the Bare Naked Money podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance. With your hosts, Josh Shellick and Colin White, portfolio managers with WLWP Wealth Planners, IA Private Wealth. Welcome to the next edition of Bare Naked Money. Colin and Josh here, and we've decided to spice it up even more. Even more, if you can possibly imagine that, because just before we began recording, we were discussing two completely different ideas for the for this podcast. And as I'm talking, Josh is flipping back and forth between the two, trying to decide which one it's going to be. And I do not know. So I'm going to find out as you find out. Josh, what are we going to talk about today? Something that we should have talked about a long time ago, Colin. And when one of our colleagues recommended this to us the other day, we both kind of slapped ourselves in the forehead and said, yeah, we should have done this a long time ago. So we're talking about something we talk about all the time, but don't really dive into diversification and what that means. Yeah, there was a little bit of embarrassment to go around there. It's like, as we throw around that word, but we never really truly explain what that is. It's almost a, like using jargon. I guess we know exactly what by it, but it's, it's actually a fairly complex or intricate thing. Like, and it, it does deserve its own podcast. So yes, congratulations. Good choice. We're going to go with diversification. Why don't you start with telling us what diversification actually means? Well, diversification at its base is not betting all on one thing. It's, it's, it's a matter of choosing a number of different strategies all aimed towards a similar goal but with the intention of improving your percentage chance of achieving what it is you're aiming at. And there are situations where diversification is good. There's situations where diversification is less good. There's situations where it's bad. And those are all open conversations. But I think we're talking specifically about your investment goal. And if we have relearned or it's been reemphasized over the last three to four years, exactly how little we know about what's going to happen next. This is why diversification is important in the investment world. I'm not a fan of diversification of diet, for example, because I like certain <laughs> foods and I don't think I need to diversify that. So the arena diversification is indeed bad. And I'm, I'm allowed to say that. For, for you, it's bad. This is very, yes. very specific to you as an individual. Yes. Okay. However, diverse, diversifications, proper diversification of an investment portfolio is good for everybody. Right, Josh? That's interesting you say that because I'm going to bring something up later once we get through a little bit more about, well, we're going to debate that, that idea. Love our debates. Yeah. So Colin, I'm just going to throw out an example here just to start, just to get us a little bit further down this concept of diversification. So my portfolio, I have six Canadian banks, three Canadian telecom companies, and two Canadian pipeline companies in it. Diversified enough? Well, I mean, you're diversified by holding all of the banks. You said facetiously knowing some people will get the joke. Uh, so, oh, this is where the, the intricacies get into it. Yeah. You could take a look and that's what 10, 12 holdings. So you could, you could say, yeah, I'm diversified across all these holdings, but are you really, what are the different ways you could diversify investment portfolio? And that's what you should measure against. What are the various methodologies you could employ? And how many of them are you actually put into use? This is something that we study fairly deeply at portfolio venture level. We loosely would call that factors. We take a look at what are the different factors and different types uh, of equity investing for sure. And what is the right mix um, of those things? So 
the strength is you, you own more than one thing. The weakness is geographically and industry, they're all concentrated and they would all have historically high correlations. We can get into the correlation conversation a little bit later because, you know, I can spur on that one a little bit if you like, but they would tend to be highly correlated in, in many respects. Okay. So why don't you explain what correlation is? Why is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, ideally, academically, you want to have investments that move differently. Like you don't want everything moving in the same direction. So if there's bad news, for example, if all you held were the Canadian banks, so there was bad economic news that was broadly expected to impact the financial sector specific to Canada, that would affect your whole portfolio. So we take the full brunt of that. So what you're looking for are other investments that would not necessarily be affected at the same time in the same way. Because it, it would reduce the impact of bad news or, or negative information on a given investment or a given category. So you're looking for something that is going to protect your portfolio so that it moves differently. When you would say correlated, there are two things that are expected to move in the same direction at the same time. And it's to degree, like do they move entirely together? Can they move kind of together or do they move opposite? And we measure these things historically, which has limitations, but can be instructive as to what future expectations should be. So the ideal would be that you have, let's just say, and we've said this on podcast where Canadian banks are great businesses for sure. And yeah, they, they, they hold a, a position in everybody's portfolio. Well, you want to balance that. You want to balance that with investments that would move differently because you, again, you don't want your whole portfolio tied to one particular investment class in one currency in one country because it's affected by, can be affected by one piece of news. So you want to move past that. And you, well, the example you gave, you had some utility stocks. Yes, utilities would tend to move or expect to move a little different than the financials. Again, we can come back to later to at the extremes, maybe they don't. But yeah, over time, you can expect that again, strong businesses, good rates of return, and they would tend to not be affected in the same way by negative news that may affect Canadian banking sector. Yeah. So, so yeah, really interesting there. So TD Bank and Royal Bank probably affected by mostly the same things. So if, if something economically affects one, it's probably going to affect the other. So we would say that's high correlation, right, Colin? Yep. Okay. But Canadian banks and a utility company, for example, bank may be a little bit more economically sensitive. Utility may be a little bit less so because you even if you're not buying, you still need to put um, heat into your house. So a little bit less so there. And so just to take this example a little bit further, Canadian bank and let's say European utility, maybe even a little bit less correlated. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. Because again, there's stuff that affects Canada. Like Canada's having a good day or bad day. And I think the Canadian government will have you know, policies that can affect the business climate. And it is expected that countries will move differently over like, like Canada is often characterized as, as a very commodities-based economy. So the countries like Canada and Australia, the overall economy tends to move somewhat in line with the commodities. So when things on the commodity side are doing well, Canada does well, therefore the Canadian banks can be doing well, but if Canada's not doing well, it's more difficult for a financial, the financial aspect of the country to be doing well in negative economic times. So country that you live in is going to necessarily affect the, the investments in different categories. 
So you can have situations where, you know, U.S. banks, and we've had this conversation, we've, we've had our portfolio, we've had this conversation, let's compare U.S. financials to Canadian financials right now where things are. And at the time we made a decision to take a U.S. weighting because again, we like the financial, but we like the economic situation in the U.S. better at the time. So countries have a commonality amongst the two. So there can be changes or certain characteristics that are common to a geography as well. So that is important to understand. Okay. Now to take this another step further, Canadian bank stock versus Japanese government bond. Correlated? Uncorrelated? Well, at different periods of time, it would absolutely be both of those things. Uh, I, 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 I've been, you keep prodding me, so you really want to go here so we can go in here. I have yet to see a study and I've, I've actually gone looking uh, for the predictive value of correlations because in extreme events like 2008, correlations go to one. And what that means is there are situations where everything goes down and they all move in the same direction at the same time. Those tend to be at the extremes, kind of what you're hoping diversification is going to protect you from, but there are times it gets so extreme that it just doesn't, but you would expect, and you could reasonably, uh, I would expect that a Canadian a utility or a Canadian bank is going to perform way differently and be completely unaffected by the same things that a Japanese treasury is going to be both by. And that's what you're looking for. So if you look at those two asset classes and you have positive expectation for the long-term financial performance, and they're going to get there differently then you've made your portfolio stronger. You want all those things to line up. Yeah. You just said something that's really important there, I think, that you're expecting positive financial performance from both of them. Because you can expect cryptocurrency or SPACs or NFTs to move a lot differently than Canadian bank stocks. Doesn't mean you should own them. <laughs> Diversification is not the sole purpose of owning uh, an asset. You still have to expect positive returns from something over time for it to be additive for your portfolio. I think the technical term is diversification. Sure. Yeah, we can call so it. At a certain point, yeah, it's diversification. So anything that you were putting into your portfolio, you should have a thesis and expectation that it's going to deliver positive economic results. If you don't have that, move on. That's that you're not diversifying. You know, so if you think oh, there's going to be three horses, you're going to win the race, but on all three horses is kind of the way I would, I would term it to people, right? Uh, you don't need to, to your point, Bet on this empty horse. <laughs> we, we live in such a rich time for examples. Do we not, Josh? I mean, yeah, this, the, sure. the, the, the Bitcoins and the, the SPACs and NFTs and all these things that have come along are just so gloriously, obviously bad things that we can use as examples and most people will understand them. So it is it's a little easier to, to, to have these conversations when these examples are recent and fresh. Yeah. So I'm going to push back on something you mentioned a few sentences ago on correlations go to one. So ju just for our audience's understanding, correlations go to one. One is the highest correlation you can have between two things. So correlations go, go to one is a better way of saying or a, a simpler way of saying or more jargony way of saying the correlations go up and the, the benefit of diversification goes down in such a scenario. So it's absolutely true that in some severe economic events, like call it 2020 with COVID, for example, or 2008 with the financial crisis, that a lot of assets, a lot of investments are going to have a very, very high correlation during those times. Because when people panic, they just sell everything. Doesn't matter if you're utility, a bank stock, a real estate uh, investment, whatever. 
everything is going to go down in value. But there are some assets that tend to, and I think have consistently had a, a diversifying effect, even in extreme events. And government bonds, high quality government bonds, say from Canada, US, Europe, um, Japan, these are some of those diversifying assets. So you're not going to find a whole lot of diversifying assets during these extreme events. But you know your savings account is still most likely going to be there. Your government bond is generally going to hold up pretty strongly under some scenarios like that. So there, there's not a whole lot of, of investments that are going to provide that level of protection, but there are some that, again, consistently have demonstrated really strong diversifying aspects to a portfolio. Yeah, and we, we can get further into it. I mean, I think that last year was an example where we saw both bonds and equities, two classes, become more correlated than maybe yep. was anticipated. You know, sure. So... And, and, and we're talking matter of degrees here, like, uh, and this is also important. And when you start applying correlations, there's geographic correlations, there's asset class correlations, and then there's within equities, there's equity correlations too, right? There's all these different things. So, so but my, my point in bringing that up is we do calculations on them and we, we try to optimize exposures. And I think what you're saying is absolutely true. There's between asset classes, broadly, most of the time, there is this lack of correlation. This is how you build a portfolio, but you need to be aware of every once in a while, even that's not going to work because you don't want to be left with the expectation of built with the optimal portfolio. Therefore, I'll never see it down here. It's not that precise. It's, it's a balance of probabilities, 19 times out of 20, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I, what I'm trying to do is get away, disavow people from the ideas. Like, well, it's a four digit calculation. Once I do that, everything's fine. No, it's better. And the vast majority of the time, it would be better off, but it's still, but we still live in a very organic world that uh, is teaching us stuff all the time. Yeah. Last year is a great example. I'm glad you brought it up because it was a very challenging year for what we would call a diversified portfolio. Stocks were down, bonds were down, government bonds were down, um, corporate bonds were down, high yield bonds were down, most floating rate bonds were down. The US dollar is up. That's one yeah. thing. Some commodities were up, um, not all of them. So yeah. unless you had a portfolio very concentrated in commodities and US dollars, which would be probably uh, unlikely and a little bit crazy, you're going to struggle last year. So th you're, you're right. But I, th I think the hallmark uh, of diversification is it's a quote. Most last time I saw the quote was in the big short May at the they gave credit, I pretty they gave credit to the quote for it, but it's not that you don't know it's going to hurt you. It's what you think, you know, for sure. And it just isn't so. And that's kind of what I'm alluding to here is talking about diversification. Like you're going to diversify across asset classes to put yourself in a better spot. What you want to avoid is, Hey, there's just one thing I really believe in. And the example I've been using with clients, because it's starting to fade now, cause it's been three years. I said, January of 2020. If I said to you, hey, look, we're going to put 40% portfolio commercial real estate into 6.4% yield, because that's a great guaranteed, I'm air quoting here, guaranteed rate of return. Real estate never goes down. Commercial staff always pay their bills. And we say, great, let's make a big allocation to that space in your portfolio. A global pandemic hits. Now, was it necessarily a bad idea to make that allocation? Well, on its face, it made sense at the time with what you knew, but you unintentionally made your portfolio fragile. Unnecessarily made your portfolio fragile by being so specific with your allocations and by over-concentrating on something. Even though all of the math may have lined up, you still over-concentrated and then the world, you know, 
turns and you know, something happens like, well, shit, I didn't see that coming. The human history is hung on a whole bunch of things we didn't see happening. That's why diversification helps. Like you don't always know what is around the next corner, but if you have a whole bunch of things in your portfolio with positive expected, you know, economic outcomes, the chances of all of them being hit at the same time is, is, is way better than the chance of being in one thing that happens to get hit and what that's going to impact the impact it's going to have on your situation. So I'm going to push back again with a quote from a very, what I call brilliant, uh, financial mind here. So here's a quote, diversification is a protection against ignorance. It makes very little sense for those who know what they're doing. Well, I know that I know the realm this is coming from. So these are the, the high conviction people. This is, this is the camp that, that you've gone to, Josh. And you're, 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 oh, wait a second. You're going to stand up and, and for the camp of high conviction people? You're going to put that jersey on? I'm that? just throwing the quote out there. You can you can talk about it however you want. There is, there is and again, this is largely, I, I hear this sentiment most often expressed in the hedge, hedge fundy space. And that kind of is making it a little bit of a broader category because you have these investment theses that people will put forward at, if, if firmly into, in my opinion, into the realm of speculation, once you cross a certain threshold here, it's like, I think that I got to have this conversation with somebody last week that, Hey, we're building all these electric cars. Obviously uranium is the only way we're going to have electricity. So I could make uranium investment. I've got high conviction in this, but it's based on a theory of this is that I want to make, you know, 80% of my portfolio, this like, oh, whoa, whoa. They're going to argue that's the only way that you can truly have investing success, but it's predicated on the idea that I have to get a home run in order to be financially successful. I have to get a home run. That's the misnomer. You, you don't, you don't need to, you just need to not lose your money. Like you need to protect the downside. It's far more important than trying to capture the upside. And I push back on the high conviction people. They make a compelling case because again, this, this is what's going to win and here are all my reasons why and I've been right 15 times in a row. So I'm going to be right this time. And if you want to get outsized returns and not just get marked returns, you have to do this. They build a very compelling case, but again, if you don't know what's around the next quarter, you don't know where the inflation is going to show up again. Interest rates are finally going to move after 20 years of people saying they were going to move. Well, a nuclear bomb goes off somewhere or like, there's just so many things that can disrupt the timeline that you project it. High conviction, great story. And it, it tugs on that. Here's a shortcut. Here's a way to make more money more quickly than everybody else and look smarter than everybody else. It's a shortcut. And that's kind of how it gets sold. It might. Do you have a favorite high conviction shop, Josh? Did you're going to try it and say these guys have been like the Ray Dalios of the world or anything like that and say, oh, this is what we should be. Well, I, be. first of all, I don't think Ray Dalio is high conviction, but so, so here's what I have to say about this. I hate this quote. I, I, I brought it, I just wanted to get you a little worked out. That's why I brought it to the, the podcast today, but I hate it because it says diversification is a protection against ignorance. Yeah, no kidding. We're making predictions about the future. We are ignorant about the future until we come up with a crystal ball or a time machine. We are going to continue to be ignorant about the future. We do not know what's going to happen. And once you admit that to yourself, that we're only making as educated best guesses that we can make about the future we know that some of them are not going to work out, then yes, 
the quote is 100% true that diversification is protection against ignorance, but we are all ignorant about the future. Until something changes there, we're going to continue to be ignorant about the future. So that's why it makes so much sense, not very little sense. As the, 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 so so the, this is from Buffett. This is from Buffett, which, you know, as much as I love Buffett and truly do think he is brilliant, this is something that I, I think 99.9% .9 of people should ignore as investment advice, which I don't think of most of what he says is, is bang on for most people. Because, like go ahead. Well, if you've got $60 billion and you lose $49 billion, you still have a billion dollars. Like it's not going to change your life. Right? But the, so the thing all... is with him, I mean, we can, we can quibble over how he's made his wealth, but yes, he had all of his wealth in Berkshire Hathaway, which is how he got there. But Berkshire Hathaway itself has a very diversified investment portfolio. So he's kind of talking out both sides of his mouth. Like if he believes that much in, in high conviction or concentration in a portfolio, then why does he run a diversified portfolio with Berkshire? And so that that's where the issue is. Yes, he got to be a multi-billionaire by being very concentrated in one company. And that's how every, by the way, how pretty much every billionaire becomes a billionaire is they have 100% of their wealth or very close to it in the business that they run. But we hear from these people, we see these people on a day-to-day -day basis or see them in the media. We don't see the millions of other people who had 100% of their wealth in the business that they run and went bust. So there's some truth to the idea that you can't become a multi-billionaire without being very concentrated as an investor and having no diversification. But it, it ignores the fact that you also can blow yourself up and be left for dead if you're very concentrated and have 100% of your wealth in one thing. Well, yeah, it's, it's the halo effect. You take a look at somebody who's successful and say, ooh, that must be the way to do it. But, you know, the path to Everest is littered with the bodies of very sick, determined people. We don't hear their stories. We hear the story that made it to the top of Everest. Like, ooh, I should do that. It's like, no, not do people died trying that. Really? That you think you want to emulate that? And you're right, Josh. There's literally millions and millions of people who have an idea. And honestly, society gets moved forward by the handful of those people who actually are successful and they do make something happen. And it is laudable. It's exciting. It's not a how-to book. So, like, how much does Elon Musk sleep? Why would I care? Like, I don't need to recreate Elon Musk's lab. Just know. But people are like that. They, 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 what they aspire, they, they think they want to aspire to be that. But that is just so not the way to have success in your personal financial life, for sure. Unless you're in the adrenaline junkie. Like if you, if you really, really live, live for the bike, then how about it? Any departing thoughts, Colin? No, I think that it's, you know, we, we've covered off, I think, all the salient points here. Uh, diversification doesn't mean having everything. Diversification means having a combination of strategies and or investments and or securities that all have positive financial expected outcomes and artfully putting them together in a, in a combination that gives you the best chance of not suffering uh, unduly uh, on your financial journey. Because again, I, I say it over and over again, the secret to success is not having the right investment. The secret to success is not blowing your shit up. And that's just not a great bumper sticker. But it's, yeah, how these things should work. All right. That's it for the pod. Until next time.
Based on observation, it seems that the time an investor is most likely to move his or her portfolio to a new advisor is when the old advisor dies. Let us go on record as saying that having a pulse is not a great reason to trust someone with your entire financial future. Stop putting your life in the hands of stillbreathingwealthplanners.com and call us. This information has been prepared by White LeBlanc Wealth Planners, who is a portfolio manager for IA Private Wealth. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the portfolio manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of IA Private Wealth, Inc. IA Private Wealth, Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. IA Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which IA Private Wealth, Inc. operates. This should not be construed as legal, tax, or accounting advice. This podcast has been prepared for information purposes only. The tax information provided in this podcast is general in nature, and each client should consult with their own tax advisor, accountant, and lawyer before pursuing any strategy described herein, as each client's individual circumstances are unique. We've endeavored to ensure the accuracy of the information provided at the time that it was written. However, should the information in this podcast be incorrect or incomplete, or should the law or its interpretation change after the date of this document, the advice provided may be incorrect or inappropriate. There should be no expectation that the information will be updated, supplemented, or revised, whether as a result of new information, changing circumstances, future events, or otherwise. We are not responsible for errors contained in this podcast or to anyone who relies on the information contained in this podcast. Please consult your own legal and tax advisor.